Did you think that the Thunder team had more talent than Golden State with Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook? I think Kevin Durant was mentally weak. No, you're actually, not, no, 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 no. You're not answering I think the question. Kevin Durant is you're still mentally weak. But Do you think that Oklahoma State team had more talent than the Golden State Warriors did? On it wasn't team? about talent, though. They were Can you answer the question? Did they have more talent or not? Repeat the question. Did the <laughs> Tip off the buzzer beat. Kick off to Hail Mary. This is Triple Overtime. Welcome back to episode three of Triple Overtime. I'm your boy, Cliff. I'm here with Tony and Tiago. What's up? Happy to be here. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So uh, let's just get right into it. Uh, you know, last week we had the AFC and NFC Championship. <laughs> Make sure I got that right. So we had the, you know, the Titans and Chiefs, Packers and Niners. Let's start off with the with the Titans and Chiefs. They, they did play first. Let's talk about them. Let's, you know, any reviews about, you know, is there anything to take away from that game? Do you feel anything any different about these two teams after that, after seeing them go at it again? Or is it, you know, where are we at? I feel like the game went exactly the way everyone thought it was going to go. I was um, just about to say that. I mean, yeah. you know, I don't think anyone expected the Titans to win. If, if it will accept Tony last week, but <laughs> if the Titans did win, it would have been an amazing performance. But I don't think that anyone else was expecting uh, the Titans. I don't think the Titans expected themselves to win. I mean, they started out, they, they played well. Um, I mean, I texted you guys that. Uh, that two minute drill at the end of the uh, the end of the first half, Tennessee gets the ball, and I text you guys and said, if they don't score three by the end of the half, they lose this game. They go three and out. Kansas City gets the ball. Kansas City scores a t- touchdown before the end of the half. That that's when the game was ended. Oh, for but sure. Had they gone into halftime and had a twenty to fourteen lead, Kansas City gets the ball at the half. Now it's they score a touchdown. It's twenty one twenty. You don't take Derrick Henry out of the game because that's what we saw. Derrick Henry got taken out of the game because they they can, didn't have the time to run the ball. So well, that's got to be the game plan. They they execute that properly. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. We, but we have any opinions about Frank Clark's comments after the game? <laughs> I think Frank Clark's a bum. Oh come on, Frank Clark is a beast. I don't agree with his comments, but uh, he just hitting people when it's low. It, to be honest, there's no way. Look, he had some good tackles, but that was a team effort on Derrick Henry. He was at the right place at the right time. That's and, all I got to say. And in my thing, Derrick Henry still got 70 yards and two quarters of the game, they couldn't run him heavily like they normally do. Pulled out of the game plan, he still got 70 yards. You didn't stop him. Your offense stopped their ability to use him. That was my opinion. Oh, for sure. No, I agree with that. But no, we're not going to sign Frank Clark. Frank Clark is a beast. Right. Uh, he's he's a good player, but I don't think he's at the point where he can just be saying Derrick Henry is nothing to him. Yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah. come you on now. Super Bowl, you can say whatever you want. Hey, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> I don't know about all that. Ask, ask Richard Sherman. <laughs> oh, man, exactly. So speaking of Richard Sherman, let's, uh, let's go ahead and segue to the next game. We got the Packers and Niners. Uh, what game? Yeah. yeah. What game? Well, Tiago, let's, let's hear it. Oh, You're my. That was the worst pick probably I've ever and, and I picked the Ravens last time. I was right? gonna say I don't know if I'd say the worst pick ever. <laughs> no, but look, that week, yeah. look, I'm saying, look, if you're you're betting on Aaron Rodgers any other day of the week, that's a good bet, you know. But I don't know what happened. I think it's I think Matt Lafleur happened maybe, um, and I think the 49ers defense happened maybe, and I think the 49ers run game happened maybe. I just feel like honestly, and it solidified it to me that that the 49ers are the best team. Um, in football right now. Not a question. No disrespect to the Chiefs, no disrespect to Pat Mahomes and, and everything that they're doing, but there's no one better than the 49ers right now. We'll get more into that next week. 
But I think the Niners definitely showed you that they are multifaceted. They are talented on both sides of the ball. And we saw that it doesn't matter what your name is at quarterback. If you are under pressure, you will lose. Period. So I think Aaron Rodgers is is probably one of the best talented, most talented quarterbacks that has ever played in the NFL. I'm not saying he's the best, but as far as physically gifted, probably the best. Um, and he definitely did not look that good. He he was on his back more than he was throwing the ball on his feet. Well, uh, I think, well, from what I said last week, I wasn't surprised at all by what happened because. I told you on the Packers defense was frauds and that the night Kyle Shannon was going to murder it again. And like it, it was the, not many times in the NFL game or even the NFL season, if you play the same team twice, you do the same thing back to back. Like that's dominance. Like the defense just wasn't prepared. I can live with that, but the Packers offense, how do you explain that? Matt McClure is, he's, it's a run heavy scheme. It's kind of hard to run the ball when that front seven is like that front seven. So, and, and like I said, when you play the Niners, you cannot be down. Your D line is too dominant for you to just sit back and throw the ball three down. Yeah, you don't. Screen. If they're in a pass rush situation and they know that they're teeing off on the quarterback and they don't have to worry about the run or even a draw, yeah, that's a problem. It's over. It's fair. So I want to bring up one more thing. Um, I think this season we see um, the emphasis on play callers, and I think Matt Lafleur may have been praised a little too much coming out of Tennessee for his play calling ability. I think that he showed in the playoffs that he has. He's a little stubborn when it comes to changing his play calls. Mm-hmm. Um, they're a run-heavy team, and I see, we can see that Rodgers is a little bit more hesitant. I don't think he's as aggressive as he's been in past years with, with in this system. Uh, and I think that's being shown when he plays certain teams or other coaches who are willing to adjust and throw different looks at him, that he gets a little hung up. And I think it's funny, too, when we look at Tennessee this season with the team that he left last year, that their offense, I mean, they kind of revived the quarterback we thought was done. Yeah. So it's like, at the end of the day, is he really that good? Or are we still like, are we on the fence with Matt LaFleur? Is he the guy? That's interesting. I feel like he, he works within a certain set of parameters and with, within a certain uh, skill set. I don't know. I, I need to give him a couple more years because I want to see what that defense does. Because I think they have the offensive talent and the offensive tools to do it. The scheme works. I mean, you don't make the conference uh, playoffs yeah, for no reason. Um, but like you said last week, like you said this week, that defense is fraudulent. So they they were kind of remind me of like a a cheap version of like the 2012 2013ish uh Seahawks. So they are going to give up yards the Legion of Boom Seahawks. They like that. They That's how up, I felt going in. Yeah, they give up a bunch of yards but they force a bunch of turnovers. So you don't you think they're a good defense because they don't allow a lot of points, but the thing is is that they they force a lot of turnovers. So if they don't get those turnovers, they're giving up a lot of points. And exactly. the fact that they couldn't stop the run either, that was, was an issue. Yeah, that yeah. was big. Yeah, so when it comes down to it, I think give I, I want to see what he does with the defense. Either he gets another defensive coordinator in there or you know they, they keep working under his scheme and build it from there. But I, but, think, I think they have a lot of guys there that have to buy into the culture. And I don't mean that as in like he's lost a locker room or anything like that, but it's like, there's a lot of guys there that are bought into Aaron Rodgers being their quarterback, maybe not Matt LaFleur being their coach. So That's a good point. Agreed, yeah. I think they have a lot of talent, but their talent is very they – have, they have guys that have been there for so long that the younger guys are just going to follow those guys. 
So I think a couple more years, give Rodgers that time to grow in that, you know, I know he's an older guy. He's not going to become this new quarterback, but he's going to be able to fulfill his role in that, in that team, in that uh, system that LaFleur has planned, or he's not. And that's going to kind of change the rest, of, the rest of the guys, how they feel about it too. I like that point. And you guys are already kind of making some points I'm going to make a little later on. I, I like how this is going. So uh, I'm sure you guys seen over social media, whether it be Instagram, Twitter, uh, Revis, you know, sitting at home on the couch. Well, before I, let's preface this, Darrell Reeves is one of the top cornerbacks to ever play football. But he was at home, letting <laughs> the thumbs go a little bit, letting the thumbs go a little bit. And uh, he decided, you know, say he had a few words for Richard Sherman. You know, he's claimed that he's a, well, he doesn't claim, this is true. He's a cover, he's a, a zone corner. And Revis was a man corner. Uh, so let's, let's. Okay. Tell me, how do y'all feel about that? How do okay. you feel about that? Okay. I mean, I think, I mean, first of all, just putting everything aside in terms of the, their style of play, things of that nature. I think Darrell was out of pocket. Um, I mean, you on the couch right now, like, you know, stop. Like that, that's not necessary. You know, I, it, it came off as petty. It came off as envious. Um, and I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't here for it. I didn't like it at all. He reminds me of Shaq, that there's no big man that's good enough to be in Shaq's. Agreed. But here's the difference. Shaq's right. Yeah, Shaq can back it up though. (laughs) Shaq's right. Shaq's, Shaq's the best big man to ever play. Don't act like you're the best corner to ever play and then sit here and knock on their corners. If you look at their stats, they're, they're not that much different in their ninth year. Um, I don't have the stats in front of me, but Richard Sherman does things that Revis couldn't do and vice versa. So I don't see you putting Sherman on an island now with his age and his injuries. I don't see him. Yeah, yeah, I mean, there's guys on his team that can cook him. But it's not about that. It's If you look at his statistics for the year, he was the third-rated cornerback in the league this year, in his ninth year. There's something to be said to that. There's a reason he's playing in the Super Bowl somewhere Darrell Reeves never played. Exactly. I couldn't agree with you more. That's why that's why they're that's why he's dead wrong about what he said. And you know Maybe I, maybe he played with the Pats, but it doesn't matter. Uh, well well look I gotta fact check that one. Look, they're looking at that one play where Richard Sherman got cooked, right? It was ten minutes left in the fourth quarter. 49ers were up 34-13 anyway. Aaron Rodgers hits Devontae Adams deep on a sixty five yard play. And Darrell thought, oh, now is the time for me to jump in here. But um, Richard Sherman's a really smart guy, and he understands, and, and Darrell Revis understands, should understand at least, that like uh, Tony just said, they don't play the same, they don't play the same exact style of coverage. Um, Sherman actually talked about it in an article in 2016 when he played for the Seahawks. He said, he was talking about Darrell Revis. He said, people look at us and say, they're both at the line of scrimmage, so they're both playing press. So it's the same. That's what it looks like, but we're actually playing two different versions of press. And he goes into deal. He goes into detail rather, and he explains kind of what he was talking about. Darrell Revis plays a traditional type of press coverage. Uh, some corners call it soft shoeing, right? He's just kind of he's going to stay there. He's going to mirror the the receiver. They move. They uh, he moves right. So it's a traditional style of press. Richard Sherman doesn't do that. He played what they played in in, in Seattle. It was more of a, an aggressive style of press. And so he's able, he, he's not going to just mirror the receiver. He's going to be uh, watching the hip. He's going to pick a direction and he's going to go hundred percent. Now, if he messes up and he misses it, then it's over. He's going to get cooked, but, but that's how it works. To that being said, Seattle, you play DB. You know that 
you are afforded that kind of freedom in a zone look. Because right. you know you have the over-the-top help. You know that if you're supposed to cover the flat or even the curl route, or that's your zone, that you're going to play more aggressively at the line of scrimmage because you're not worried about getting cooked on the back end. Agreed. But sometimes you don't have that help, and so that's why you need that catch-up speed to make up for that ground. And, and Richard Sherman, Sherman he, he doesn't have it anymore, right. but he did. Yeah, and that's, and that's I think, a good point. Real quick, fact check. I uh, fact check myself. I lied. Darrell Rivas has won a Super Bowl. I'm like, yeah. Against. Kind of oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, against the Seattle Seahawks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My bad. My Look, bad. Think, well, he was with the Pats. I'm a hater. I, mean, Look, I'm a hater. I think both, these, different. both guys are, in their own sense, from their experience of how they played in the NFL, they're both right. Uh, Richard Sherman is a, is a great cover corner. He's, he flourishes in a cover three system. What Darrell Rivas' point, I think he was really trying to make, from what I got from after reading all the tweets that he put out, is that there's there's only from a there's only a certain amount of DBs who are cut from a certain cloth who can man up anybody from anywhere on the field. And I think what he wanted, what he was attempting to say is that Sherman is not cut from that cloth. Well, but it's like who asked? Well, no, you're right. You know you're right. You're right. Like, no who one asked? asked. But I mean, let's 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 be honest. He's not incorrect. It's just unnecessary. But here's the thing: is that they don't run that system. So why would he ever need to be that guy? Exactly. And that's also the point. And maybe he is that guy, and he's never played in the system to be that guy. We don't know. Exactly. We, know. we don't know. I mean, exactly. like you talk about guys, like you want to talk about Revis Island, quote unquote, guys in the NFL, like Stephon Gilmore, uh, Pat Pete, uh, three four years ago. You know, yeah. this yeah. year he wasn't as great, but. Those are, I mean, I mean, there's been a lot of great cornerbacks. Yeah, yeah for, for sure. For but sure. I'm just saying, like that that his style, his his style, like like Tiago said, it, it doesn't transcend over the cornerback position. Exactly. There's only so many guys that do what you do, and it's not because you're it's elite. It's just because you're elite in a certain niche, and then he's elite now. Richard Sherman's elite in a different niche than you are. Exactly. It's like just do what you do best, you know. But here, here's the here's the reason why I feel Darrell loses this argument. It's not even at the speci- at the specific point of the technique. It, it was kind of what I talked about in the onset: the timing, uh, the way it came off. And if we go back and actually look at the numbers, age thirty one Revis versus age thirty one Sherman, that's a big deal. It, here's a stat that I want you to think about. Um, yeah, Aaron Rodgers hit that pass that we talked about to Devontae Adams, right? That was the first deep completion of 20-plus yards in the air allowed by Richard Sherman, not this postseason, not the past five or six games, the entire season. Sherman versus deep entering that game, seven targets, zero receptions before that went to Devontae Adams. He's having a great season. I kind of do want to make a point here, though, about Richard Sherman. Uh, another reason why he's flourishing in San Francisco the pass like, rush. The pass rush is phenomenal. Like, yeah, Facts. Not, you can't throw a deep ball. Facts. <laughs> so, uh, oh, it's great. I'm sorry. We're not using the word phenomenal. Listen, <laughs> uh, it's kind of hard to throw a deep ball if you're on your back. So, the defense also does play. I mean, if you have a great D-line, you make sure the defense is really good. I've said no, that. I'm not saying that Sherman isn't great, but it's, it'll help yeah. out a little bit. It's complimentary football. Yeah, yeah. So, coverage, you know, coverage sack, or however you want to put it, coverage sack as DBs are playing to get enough yeah, that the pass exactly. rush gets there. Vice versa yeah. happens all the time. I mean, I mean the, that's the overarching point should still be that both these guys are, to my opinion, all time defensive backs, and they're great at what they do. And they're, they're yeah, there's phenomenal. for sure amazing. There is a there is a period of time that each of them was the best in the league. I agree. In in their own agree, agree. No disrespect to Rebus. 
He, yeah. He's one of the best to ever do it, but so is Richard. So, yeah. you know, Revis, there was an era where Revis was the number one coin in the league and nobody questioned it. And there was an era where Richard Sherman was the number one coin in the league and nobody questioned it. Here's the thing I get, I get a little upset about when people get, they, they get flared up when players go at each other like that. I'm like, guys, they're football players, right? We compete. He's like, of course I think I'm better than you. Like, why, why are we upset because he says something? Like, bro, of course. Like, they play oh, the for sure. at the same time. Yeah, I think I'm better than you. Why but you gotta remember, you Richard Sherman, he pick, he fighting with the wrong one, right? Richard Sherman, fifth round pick out of Stanford, he he plays with that chip on his shoulder. Yeah. Like, don't come he's, at Richard Sherman. He's always angry. Have you he met Michael angry. Crabtree? <laughs> 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 don't you ever? <laughs> Shout out Michael Crabtree, Texas Tech legend. I'm saying that's that's about where his legend stops. It's a little bleak after that. His most famous moment yeah. in the NFL was being mentioned by Richard Sherman <laughs> when he was talking to Aaron Andrews. That sucks, that really sucks. It really sucks. Michael Crabtree, you can come on this podcast whenever I know you're not really doing nothing right now. <laughs> That'd be dope, though. That'd be he dope. So disrespectful. Yeah, he cooked me. He cooked me. He cooked us. Oh, for sure. <laughs> oh my goodness! Wow. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna that's quotable. Michael Crabtree, we're gonna line up. I couldn't think of not against me. I couldn't think. I couldn't think of a better time to move on to the next segment. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so guys, um, let me uh, let me set up this next segment. Um, I first off, want to start off by talking about what I think is one of the bigger myths in the NFL, and it's something that a lot of people use. You hear it on talk shows all the time. Uh, a lot of us use it in arguments to somewhat back. It's like a backhanded compliment to kind of like degrade a quarterback. And so I kind of want to just go over like what the history says and what the numbers say, and, and and the importance of why this is a bad ideology for us to have. We're listening. Sorry. So here we go. So I'm gonna talk about today the idea of the system quarterback. I want to talk about that a little bit. So oh, I'm gonna have a Tom Brady conversation. So not well, not directly, but yes, indirectly. So I want to talk. I'm a, so just so you guys can follow along. This is how it's gonna go. I'm gonna bring up three different quarterbacks. I'm gonna give you an all-time great, okay, a middle-of-the-road guy, and then a young quarterback who's just who's not playing. Okay. Okay. So I'm gonna start off with Drew Brees. So Drew Brees' first, uh, let's say, four seasons in the NFL when he was a San Diego Charger, his Highest amount of passing yards was three thousand five hundred and seventy six, and he never he never hit the thirty touchdown mark. His highest was twenty seven. So in two thousand six, after his injury, we all know what happened there. He parts ways parts ways with the Chargers, and he signs with the New Orleans Saints. At the same the same year that he signs with the Saints, the Saints bring in Sean Payton, who now that we know in twenty twenty is one of the greatest play callers ever. Absolutely. Okay. So, and he's also known for his pass heavy system. Okay. So in Drew Brees, okay. first year in the system. Passes for 4,000 yards, and by year three in the system, he's, he's mastered it. He's dominating. He puts up 5,000 yards, 34 touchdowns. The year after that, back-to-back seasons, he goes for 5,000 yards and 46 touchdowns. The year after that, <laughs> he goes for 5,000 yards and 43 touchdowns. So now, I'm not going to tell you guys that Drew Brees isn't great. Drew Brees is phenomenal. He's amazing. He's one of the top five quarterbacks. It may be top three. He could be your top one if, you, if you're really that big of a Drew Brees fan. I am. For sure. But it would be a little kind of crazier for, for us to say that he's not a system quarterback. He is also a product of Sean Payton's genius. So I let's think move. That is a little crazy, but keep going. So let's also let's move next to the next quarterback. Let's give you a middle of the road guy, Alex Smith. So when Alex Smith was in San Francisco, he, he could barely crack three thousand yards passing. Guy, he was garbage. His okay. his his uh, his career high in touchdowns when he was in San Francisco was eighteen. Okay, in his first season after meeting the great Andy Reid in Kansas City, he passes for 3,300 yards and 23 touchdowns. 
Okay. And as we can see now, he's what we would consider a bad fit in Kansas City system. After how, how many touchdowns? 23. 23. Okay. He would be what we consider a bad fit in Andy Reid's system now that we can see what, when he, when he has someone super talented like a Patrick Mahomes, we can see what he really can do. Well, we moved, saw how he moved on from Alex Smith once Patrick Mahomes Exactly. Was, yeah. But you can see the improvement in his numbers through the system. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to give you guys a young guy. So I know you're a Bucks fan, so I did this especially for you. So we're going to talk about Jameis a little bit. So can we in, not? Can we no, not? Come on, I got you. It's, it's all positive here. It's all positive. No, it's I'm, I'm okay with it not being positive. <laughs> I, I don't want that. I don't want that bum on my team no more. Anyways, all right, so, well, check, so check this out. Mr. Check this 30 out. For thirty himself. So Jameis Winston was barely cracking four thousand yards in his first three seasons. Okay, I think his career high, if I'm not mistaken, here is four thousand forty-two yards. Okay, so the Buccaneers just hired Bruce Arians. He's a renowned play caller, known for pushing the ball down the field and being very aggressive. He showed that when he was with Carson Palmer in Arizona. He likes to push the ball down the field and stretch the defense. In his first season with Jameis, he easily cracks 5,000 yards and 33 touchdowns. His high. He never had three touchdowns before. One year with Bruce Arians, he throws 33. That is a system. So throughout history, we can see that quarterbacks that have been attached to prominent play callers, they've always flourished. Let's look at, you got Joe Montana, Bill Walsh, Troy Aikman, Jimmy Johnson, Brady, Belichick, Breeze, Peyton, Marino, Don Shula. It's, it goes on and on and on. There's only there's about two quarterbacks that I will give you that are not system guys. Now, I, I doubt that you probably can guess who I have in my head, but I'll give you guys a chance to guess who I think is not a system quarterback. Peyton Manning. One, yeah. <laughs> Good one. Aaron Who's Rogers. the other one? No. Same team. Oh, Brett Favre. There you go. Boom. Okay, yeah. Those are the two guys I will give you who I think transcend the system. Brett Favre, just because he's a gun, he's a gamer, he's a gunslinger. I mean, we, we've seen mad interviews with him. He doesn't even know how to play. He's going to accidentally score touchdowns. Exactly. And Peyton Manning, Peyton Manning is the only quarterback to go to four different Super Bowls with four different head coaches. He is the system. He is the system. He was dragging people to Super Bowls. He's that guy. Okay. Okay. All right. So, all right. So, I'm done. I've laid out my numbers. I want to hear what you guys have to say about that. I mean, theoretically, every quarterback is a system quarterback. Every quarterback is in a system. I understand kind of the argument where you're coming from. Um, the Alex Smith portion, when you got to that, that was that was pretty interesting because um, in San Francisco, you said he he barely broke. It was thirteen touchdowns in that in his last season at San Francisco. His career high was eighteen yeah. touchdowns. Yeah, that that's um, and thirty one hundred yards yeah, was his high in San Fran. Right, and then he hit he hit twenty, I think, in uh, in, in Kansas City. But yeah, his completion percentage though, great. I mean, we're looking at. 61%, 70%, 65%, 67%. I mean, he was doing great stuff, and that was with San Francisco. And are, wait, are we, are we, are, so are we saying that Alex Smith was a great quarterback for the 49ers? I'm saying that he was the, he was the quarterback that they needed. I lived in what? San Francisco when Alex Smith was quarterback for the 49ers. I'm surprised he's alive today with the way okay, they felt thank about you, him. Thank you, thank you. I'm like, I'm like, where are we going with because this? Because you got to remember who came after him was Colin Kaepernick, and all of a sudden they're making playoff runs. Okay, so I'm not saying that like his statistics aren't terrible. Um, they were losing because of their head coach. I think Alex Smith was. We could see what he could become later, but like the arguments there, right? He's a system quarterback that he was in the right system. Blah blah blah. Continue the argument. But, but yeah, I just, I just feel like. Those numbers per se, and I'm a numbers guy. I just feel like maybe there's an asterisk attached to uh, to that spiel that you just gave us, Cliff. Because uh, okay, h- here let me give you let me give you some numbers, and you guys guess who this quarterback is. Sixty nine percent completion, um, thirty nine hundred yards, twenty seven touchdowns, thirteen uh, interceptions. This year, like, this what year, year, what's the this year? 
One more time. Give me the number one more time. 69% completion, 3,900 yards, 27 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. Oof, like, I don't know, dude. That could be anybody, bro. Yeah, yeah it could be. Sounds like Tom Brady. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think that's actually it's pretty close to what he had this year. Okay, okay. He had but like 4,000 yards, but he had it was his touchdowns and interceptions were about there. Literally could be anybody. It could yeah, be anybody. Yeah, yeah, could be guy. Anybody. I'll, I'll, I'll say Kirk. How about that? Right? Kirk could be Kirk. It could be, be Kirk. Josh Allen. Yeah, yeah, who is it? Senior, right? It's it's the guy who's going to the Super Bowl. It's Jimmy Garoppolo. So I think the numbers. Well, but okay. Before you can, before you go any further, he's not going to be the one to make your point here because he's in the system, a great system. Because I, you know, I glanced over the fact that Kyle Shanahan made Matt Ryan the MVP, yeah. and I also glanced over the fact that Matt Nagy in his first year had Mitchell Trubisky go from seven touchdowns to twenty-seven touchdowns in one year. Make so, the Pro Bowl, and he made the Pro Bowl. Mitch Trubisky was a Pro Bowler with Matt Nagy. I understand. That's crazy, bro. But there's an asterisk there. I mean, we've never seen Jimmy G. In anything else, you know, what I'm but saying? a system so we can't, yeah, but we can't necessarily say, hey, he is the is the quarterback. I mean, he's playing better than. I mean, this is the first opportunity that we've been able. But to are see we? Do, would you consider um? Would you consider an an offensive year with a quarterback that goes twenty seven thirteen with sixty nine percent completion? Are you considering that like a, a a good year? If you go to the Super Bowl, yeah, I, I think it's but it's, that's but it's that's that's not like a, that's that's a continue. that's a team stat. That's a team stat. Are you considering that a good quarterback year? Is what I'm asking. I think sixty nine percent completion is is an amazing quarterback year. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, I think I think in this day and age, it's average. Very. I think fifteen years ago, it's amazing. Um, Very average. Just because you got guys like Drew Brees who are putting up like a seventy eight percent completion percentage. Yeah, but you're comparing him to Drew Brees. I mean, that's well, like they, he's like top they, three all they, time. They play the same position in the same era of the same league. I have to compare them. He's a better quarterback than this guy. Yes, but he's, they play he's the top three of all time. But they you know play at the not. same time right now, so I can compare them. It's not comparing. I'm not comparing him to uh, Dan Marino. I'm comparing him to somebody who plays the same game against the same defenses against the same looks. That yeah, he's but seen. you're comparing him to a league vet versus a guy who's in his what twentieth season, probably fifth season, something like that. Yeah, I'm just saying. I mean. But let's look at it this way. Because like, when you look at Drew Brees' stats, it was the same thing. He got better with time. Yeah, but uh, that's yeah, different. But that's different. That's, that's different. very different. So I'm going to stop you before you keep making crazy points. <laughs> and I'm going to hit you with some of my points. So just right. a quick background so everybody knows that Cliff did not tell any any of us what his conversation was going to be. No, because I wanted the conversation to go just like this. I want to know how y'all <laughs> really feel. So like – Tiago and I haven't had a chance to look up any stats or anything like that. So everything that you're going to hear now is on the fly. We're looking this up as we're having this conversation. All right. So we talk about Drew Brees, system quarterback. His best year for yardage was two th- with the with the uh, Chargers. Chargers. Thank uh-huh. you. Was 2005. Okay. He also had the fifth leading rusher. You guys might have heard of him. His name's Ladanian Tomlinson. You don't need to throw the ball. He was okay, I think. Right? Yeah, he's all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Uh, he, you don't have to throw the ball for fifty five hundred or five thousand yards when you have Ladinian Tomlinson getting you fourteen hundred and sixty two yards that year and eighteen touchdowns. Okay, you're still adding to my Jimmy G point. Keep going. <laughs> um, we talked about his ability to play under a system with uh, uh, Sean and. It's 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 there's something to be said there, but his best year in with the Chargers, he had 27 touchdowns, 
And his first year with Sean Payton, he had 34 touchdowns without a bell cow running back, without a Hall of Fame running back. He only had a seven touchdown difference. Um, to me, that's that's a wash. It's it's a wash. He's making up the difference of not having that Hall of Famer now because he's not a system quarterback. He's a Hall of Fame quarterback for a reason. Well, well, there's. I don't think there's a, a separation there. You can be a system quarterback who's a Hall of Famer, right? But I'm saying I don't think he's a system quarterback because in the Chargers, the system was he throws the ball 3,500 yards and throws 24 touchdowns, and then they run the ball 1,500 yards and score 18 touchdowns that way, and they win games. Yeah, they yeah were, for sure. They were they're a playoff team. They never so then, so then, and I think Cliff said something that that really opened up a point here. He, he said, "You just said you can be a system quarterback and be a Hall of Famer." So. Is there a stigma attached? A very bad stigma attached, and it's be, it's, be, it's been created because of Tom Brady's success. But I think that it's funny that it gets glossed over that almost every great run has all like the play caller and the quarterback is a very serious marriage. It has to be right. Well, name a name a take a step back. Let's take let's all take a step back for a second and look at football as a whole. Don't look at the NFL. Don't look at college. Let's we all play football together. Pick up games in the backyard. Mm-hmm. You know, we we put, all play flag football together on a regular basis. Right, right, right. Take a step back and name me a more uh, team oriented sport. So, does an offensive lineman can he do what a wide receiver does? Not can well. Jason can Jason Kelsey do the same thing as Mike Thomas? Yes or no? no They're no. both great at their jobs. Not can they chance. can they replace each other? No. No. Can Jimmy G replace J- Jason Kelsey? No. No. Can Tom Brady do what Joe Staley does? No. 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 Why? Because everybody has their job. So right. with that being said, it's hard to say that, yes, every great run has a great system and has a guy in it. You know why? Because they all play for the same team. The head coach is coaching for that team. It's his job to make them successful. It's the quarterback's job to make that system successful. It's the uh, offensive line's job to make that quarterback successful by giving him the time to do so. So it's, it's, I, I agree with you. Because I, I'm one of those people that I'm always like, well, Tom Brady's a system quarterback. I don't think I think his numbers are inflated because of the system that he ends is in breeds him for success. However, that doesn't take away from the fact that he has made that system successful now for 20 seasons. It's not a negative. I would just it's a curiosity. Let me put it that way. I what what would Tom Brady do if he was playing for Tampa Bay under Bruce Arians right now? What? Let's say he doesn't resign. Well, I mean, like with the today? Pats. Yeah. Let's say he doesn't resign with the Pats and signs a one year with Tampa Bay today. It'd Is be, he? It would be a bad fit. Why? Because he what he doesn't play that style of football. Because he's a system quarterback, and that's not a negative thing. But yeah, but that system doesn't fit for what he does. I think exactly, like, exactly. Like, but it's still a system. Just like if you put Lamar Jackson on the Tampa Bay Bucks right now, he would fail because it's just not the system's not built for him. Exactly. And so I agree with what you're saying that there's a that that's term system quarterback is generally viewed as a negative thing, and it doesn't have to be a negative thing because Bill Belichick's the best coach of all time. It's hard to argue that, but maybe he created the best quarterback of all time because of his system, and he made it so that way he couldn't fail. But who's that success on? That success is on both of them because he instituted a system that works, and he instituted a. His he made sure that his talent level made that system successful. And right. so, so, and so, my question to you guys is: with that logic that you just used, which I, I strongly agree with, why does that logic only matter for Tom? Why doesn't that stick with Sean Payton and Drew Brees? Because Drew Brees was doing it on two different teams. That's my point. 
Tom has that. never done it anywhere, but that's why I'm saying the curiosity is the curiosity of it. So if he goes somewhere else and puts up 4,000 yards and 30 touchdowns, which is about what he did this year, I'll never say it again. But right now, he's never had a different head coach. We're talking about guys who have had different head coaches. You have, you have uh, Drew Brees. He's had multiple head coaches. Whoa, he's been successful. Two, two. That's multiple. That's like, okay. that counted. But, That's uh, okay, but he's had Sean Payton for how many years now? Since from, from yeah, but 06? he was successful beforehand. Right. I understand that, but let's let's yeah, not no act like he's had Drew like eight with different head coaches. I remember Drew Brees with the Chargers. Yeah, but you guys are not going to be like Drew Brees, the greatest Charger quarterback ever. You know, yeah, let's, 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 he's up there. He was good, but let's 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 take it. Let's tell well, it I'm back. Saying, okay. He wasn't going to the Hall of Fame off of his Chargers run. Right. Two thousand. Yeah, I think that's two, the point. That's in two thousand five, he had the fifth highest touchdown mark for quarterbacks, and he had the uh, ninth highest yardage. Again, Ladanian Tomlinson was running the ball for them, so that's going to take away numbers. Okay, the only guys that beat him are Tom Brady, Trent Green, uh, Favre, Carson Palmer, Eli Manning, Kerry Collins, Peyton Manning, Drew Bledsoe when he played for Dallas. I mean, there's a lot of good names in there. They're all, most of those guys are Hall of Famers. Sorry, Kerry Collins, you're not one. Um, there's not, that's, that's No, you're not lying. Facts. You're not lying. You're not lying. But when it comes down to it, he also had, in my recent memory, the most dominant running back of our time. I mean, there's guys that are coming out now with your Saquons and your Zeeks right, right. and your um, uh, Derrick Henry that can make a run for that. But since LaDainian Tomlinson, there hasn't been a guy like LaDainian Tomlinson. So you have that polarizing of a figure on your team. You don't need to be the Drew Brees that we see now. So that's my point where, yes. And, and, to, and to counter, because I agree with that point as well too, but to counteract that, my, my, I think what I'm really trying to say is is that if Drew Brees is never married to Sean Payton on the football field, we may never see who Drew Brees is. And that, that has to be accounted for. I understand he has, he had Ladanian Tomlinson, so he may not, but the Drew Brees that I know today may not ever exist on the San Diego Chargers in but, the same fashion. But you run the same thing as you run with the Tom and Bill conversation. Is, is, is Sean Payton relevant without Drew Brees? And I think that, that's a great question because I think as Drew Brees ages, which is funny how we don't talk about Drew aging as much as we do Tom, when oh, Drew's arm is shot, bro. I, I give him, I get, I think he's going to play one more year. I think and he's done. we can see, I think as he gets older, we do see the mastery of Sean's system. Just be like, I mean, how else does Mike Thomas get 145 catches? You can see the mastery in it. Oh, and yeah, what you can sure. also see when he goes down, how Teddy Bridgewater can also fulfill his role. Just like you because saw Matt system. Castle do the same thing for absolutely, it, it, absolutely, and how you and how you seen Joe Montana and uh, like Joe Montana go to Steve Young. Yes, it's the system. It's yeah. the system. It's, it's very it's important. At the end of the day, it's 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 not that complicated, right? Everyone has the same job to do, right? Everyone does their job within their scheme, within their role. It's the intangibles that make those uh, players or those individuals great, right? The Eli Manning has the same job as, um, uh, you know. Josh Allen, right? They had the same job, throw the ball and get it to the receiver. But what made Eli so great is how he was able to overcome uh, all those adversities, you know, make those playoff runs. It's those intangibles that make these guys great. So essentially, I, I guess you did could you say, say Eli. Did you say Eli Manning? I did say Eli Manning um, for being okay. Tom Brady twice. 
Yeah, and come out of that playoff. Run. See, but my I don't thing, know about that. But let me, let me. I'm not even going to time champ. I'm not going to no. For sure, he has that. For sure, I I'm not even going to acknowledge the fact that you just said Eli Manning. So we're just going to keep it rolling. Well, he okay. retired, so I just want anyway, to shout Eli. out to Eli Manning. So hold on, hold on, real quick. Hold on, real quick. As we were talking about Eli, shout out to Eli Manning for having the same exact career as Ben Roethlisberger and Philip Rivers, and they all came out in the same draft. Is because they literally are all the same exact quarterback, just with different <laughs> franchises. They're the same exact people, but we lose <laughs> that fact. But they're the, all the same people like with just that. one went to a good franchise, one went to an okay franchise, and one went to San Diego. <laughs> That's the only difference. Except Big Ben's the size of a defensive end. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> he, he's someone who could play two <laughs> Um My only point is is that with like I wouldn't say it's the intangibles, quote unquote, that is making these guys win. What do the Patriots do really, really, really well that they've done really, really well for years that that we talked about in episode one that they they didn't really couldn't do this year. Um, they don't run the ball. They've never run the ball. They, I mean, they've had a couple of spike years, but that's never been their thing. They run the ball by throwing a four yard slant, getting five yards out of it, and that's guess what? That's the same as a four yard run. So yeah. so now that's how they keep on schedule. They're running these little rub routes, these little you know drags, things like that. That's what they've always done well. Those are high percentage throws. Those are easy ways to break off big touchdowns. It's an easy way to gather up yards for your quarterback who's now going to go to first ballot Hall of Famer. Yes, sir. But I think it's one of those things that you have to look back at it and say, same. It, the Saints are doing the same thing right now. They're oh, running 100%. a bunch of short stuff that's just chipping the ball down the field. And yes, you have good guys in Kamara and in- that Ingram just left and uh, Kamara and Latavius Murray, but that's not their game. Their game is to chip the ball down the field, and that's what wins games right now. I think there's only one quarterback in the NFL right now today. That's not – well, I mean, as talented as Aaron Rodgers is, I think there's only one other quarterback in the NFL right now who might be able to be above the moniker of the system quarterback. That's because his talent level is off the charts, and it's the guy playing the Super Bowl is Patrick Mahomes. I think Andy Reid does help him tremendously, but his talent level is something we've probably never oh, seen yeah, before. Yeah, Brett Favre, like, is exactly. incredible. Without the turnovers. Yes. Yeah. So, so even better. Yeah. Absolutely even better. Absolutely. And so, all right. I'm glad that you know that was a good conversation. You're right. I'm, we'll probably. I'm pretty sure we'll probably end up revisiting something like this again later on down the road as people age, and we'll see how that works out. And uh, so, okay, let's go on. Let's move over to some NBA topics. So, uh, T, uh, you know, trade deadline's coming up. Uh, no, the Lakers are rolling right now, actually. Yeah. Um, so you, you tell me, what do you think the Lakers need to do? Boy, that's interesting. So what do they need to do? What should they do? Uh, again, I'm not a GM and I don't know. Um, you know, Rob Palenka can do whatever he wants to do. I think the Lakers should trade Kyle Kuzma. Um, and here's why. Again, and if they don't, I don't think that that's an issue, but, you know, Kyle Kuzma is arguably, well, well, actually, no, he's not. He is their best trade at, at, uh, asset at this time. He has huge upside. Um, he's young, um, just huge breakout potential. But the thing is, is that LeBron James is not getting any younger. Okay, so he's in a win-now mode. And the thing is, is if you could potentially trade Kuzma for that one guy who could maybe definitively get you over the hump, that one guy who can essentially guarantee you, hey, this is the depth we need, or this is the piece we need to to win that championship. I mean, I would make that move again. No disrespect to Kuz, I think Kuz is is a great, great 
uh, player. I mean, in six starts this season, he's averaged 20 uh, points, 5.7 rebounds, and twenty and 2.3 assists, uh, shooting 47%, 36 from three, and 75 from uh, the free throw line. But So he, he's playing great. But are there other pieces out there who you could maybe trade for that would hmm. just... Well, you know, there are guys in talks. You're talking Derek Rose. He's been mentioned in talks. Uh, Marcus Morris, who's having a, a, a great year, but he would be a great fit with that Lakers organization. Again, we're not looking for the guy who's going to take over. We're looking for the guy who's going to be a great piece to that system, who's going to play defense, who's going to um, help them out in the playoffs. That's what we're looking for. I think they need a guard. I mean, I don't disagree with you. Kuz is definitely the move if they move, uh, but they just need somebody in the front court. Uh, or I'm sorry, the backcourt. They uh, so would you trade for Derrick Rose? Uh, I don't know if I trade Kuz for uh, Derrick uh, Rose and some picks. Sure, uh, Kuz. Kuz to me is the future of the Lakers. But I'm I, saying if Detroit the, calls you, they're going to say we want Kuz, and I'd say give me all your money. But yeah, I'll take D Rose and some picks. I'm not saying that it's a bad trade. I'm just saying you don't go one for one. Detroit on that. would never do that. You don't go one for one on that because Kuz is the future of a franchise. He, I don't think he's like an Embiid Ben Simmons talent, but he's going to be... But it's the Lakers. When have the Lakers ever built with young talent outside of Kobe Bryant? Never. 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 They're free agents. So I, 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 I'm, well, I'm saying I agree with you. Stop arguing with me. <laughs> <laughs> like, I agree with you. Like, Kuz is the move. But the thing is, is that, like you said, he's they go straight into win now. Yeah. And the problem is, is that they did that with Kobe. And then what happened? Kobe got old, couldn't carry the team anymore. And then the Lakers started nosediving and plummeting until they got this guy named LeBron James. And LeBron's a different animal. but And the same beast. Are they willing to do that again? Are they willing to go all in for a chip this year, maybe next year, and be mediocre at best for the following five years until they can reload again? What if Anthony Davis signs? I mean, we don't know. We don't know. But I'm saying like Rob Palenka is looking at his job for the next 10 years. That's what I think is so. Right now, who's to say that they don't make it over the hump as they're set? It's possible, it, it, and they're—I mean, it's hard to argue that they're—you know, yeah, thirty-six they're and nine, great. right? It's I mean, the best. Great. They're at the best point of the, at this point of the season. It's their best start in franchise history. Yeah, it's. Uh, I agree with you guys with that. Them needing a a, a backcourt piece like Derrick Rose would be a nice addition, uh, especially how he's playing right now. But I think both of you are insane. Uh, you don't trade Kyle Kuzma. I understand that uh, he may not be what people might think he is initially. I also don't agree with him being the future of the Lakers. I think he's a good piece. I don't think he's the future of anything. He's a great scorer, though. And what the Lakers need are creators who can score for themselves and also score in the flow of the offense. I think they have a very simple fix, actually. You just you make Rajon Rondo retire. Get him off the floor. Oh, stop, like He, he, he stalls. He's, it's not hate. He stalls, he stalls that bench group so much. That you can literally watch them. I watched them play the Nets on Thursday. Hopefully, you guys did too. It was a terrible game, but you can see Rondo stalls depends the bench. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, depends <laughs> on who you're rooting for. You can see you can see how Rondo stalls the offense. Like Kyle Kuzma, he slows the ball down for sure. Kyle Kuzma was really really popping, and when he first got into the league, where we were surprised at him being so good at so young is because of the pace of the offense was very fast. He was playing with Lonzo Ball. They pushed the ball up the floor. Rondo does not play basketball like that. He's a half court point guard. And so when, when LeBron is on the floor with Kyle and the pace picks up, you can see the promise there. So like you need to get a guard who's just not Rondo, right. literally. Who, who's your valued piece? It's not Rondo. The well, only I don't person think, you could trade is Kuz. 
he, I don't the think they make it. I don't think they make a deal. I really don't think they make it. Yeah, deal. I don't think they. I don't. They have to. I don't think they have to. Yeah, they're not. Gonna, they're not in a position. They're not. A, excuse me. They're not in a position right now where they feel like their hand is forced to make a. You know, right now they went into win mode. The win now mode as soon as they signed LeBron. Right. And then when they got Anthony Davis, it was oh, we're winning this year. Period. Right. Right. So. I don't. I think that they understand that already. So they, I don't think they need to make any crazy moves for that to be accomplished. Uh, they're they're playing lights out right now. Uh, I agree. I agree. I don't. I don't think it's it's something that they have to do, but it is food for thought. And it's funny that you say that. Uh, literally today, uh, according to Dave McMenamin, um, LeBron James was asked uh, about putting um, that extra piece. He's basically asked the same question uh, Kyrie Irving was asked, except he answered it correctly. <laughs> um, he said we have enough right now so that that's all that's he said. a lie you know but, he said we have enough yeah. right now so, i gotta i gotta spin on the Kyrie thing you know but well LeBron, that's that's LeBron another day chemistry and Kyrie kills it and um we keep moving on i've never seen anybody hate on Kyrie. have you ever seen anybody hate on Kyrie that are are his teammates Ooh. oh wait has he any might, he of might. his teammates hated on him other than terry rogier because terry rogier is a joke uh, no Jalen brown no no no, no. No, Jalen Brown doesn't doesn't hate Kyrie. Irving. Anyways, that's a story for another day. Right. It's a lot. It's a lot of underground stuff. It's a lot I of Steve Nay and Skip Bayless and Max Kellerman. You know, <laughs> thoughts going on here. In Tiago and, hey, and that's Shannon Sharp. That's Drip Bayless to you. That's yeah, I'm sorry, Drip Bayless. It's a lot. Of, it's a lot of outside opinions to create some stories. <laughs> I, I, it's whatever though. Interesting. So, uh, you know, I was thinking the other day because uh, you know everyone's getting their jokes off on the teams at the bottom of the league. And uh, I was just thinking, like, you know, there's really there's a team out here that no one's really talking about because, you know, they're bad right now. Uh, it's understandable. They suck. And we're, we're happy that they suck. And that's the Golden State Warriors. It's like no one's worried about Golden State right now. Next but year. Understand that this is actually what we don't want. the Warriors. Like, You would rather the Warriors be a middle of the pack team like the Hornets, who's like, you know, always yeah, like the AC. They're, they're about they're, to get a lottery pick. They're going to get a lottery pick. That's going to be a, pro- a huge problem. Yeah, because they're going to get Steph Clay and a lottery pick. I can see them right now before the trade deadline's over. I think that they're going to move D'Angelo Russell to grab Robert Covington. And Robert Covington is going to be Draymond on steroids in their system. Mm-hmm. And if I were you, I would not want that to happen at all. That'd be very bad. It, very, it's very interesting, bad. though. But even with that, I still don't think they're better than the Lakers. I still don't think that they're better than the Clippers. And, and that's yeah. also with you banking on Steph not destroying his ankles again and clay staying his healthy ankles again yeah steph hasn't had an ankle injury since like 2011 bro. Give it time what, what, what was he out with hand he or broke something? his hand okay so again, oh my goodness yeah, but slander steph, what steph is that no it's not a, <laughs> look it's not a mystery steph don't have great ankles but the, the bro, thing he's is, fine his ankles are fine the thing is though <laughs> even with robert covington i'm still not putting them above the lakers i'm not putting them i the still Clippers. let's say they go six or seven games I don't think that they. I don't. I'm not gonna say that they're gonna beat them. Like I'm not confident. Like I'm not betting on that game. But I'd say that the game's at least interesting. Well, how about this? When when the Warriors went down three one to the Thunder, did you think that the Thunder team had more talent than Golden State with Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook? I think Kevin Durant was mentally weak. No, you're actually, not, no, 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 no. You're not answering the question. Kevin you're not answering the question. But do you think that Oklahoma State team had more talent than the Golden State Warriors did? On it wasn't team? about talent though. They were. Can you answer the question? Did they have more talent or not? Repeat the question. Did the Oklahoma <laughs> like my goodness? Do you guys hear this, man? Look, when the Oklahoma City Thunder went up three one on the Golden State Warriors, yes, the answer is yes. The Thunder yes. had more. They the had Thunder a more talented more talent. team. Yes. Okay. 
So you understand that it's part of the system is why they're very good. Okay. So then I raise you another question. What's up? Uh, the Clippers, the Lakers, do they have more the talent? The Clippers are struggling. The Clippers lost to that land. Answer the question. Do they have more talent? Can they win games, though? Do they work together? Would you answer the question? Is there chemistry? Would There's you bigger answer things to well, this. Hold on. Let me, let me answer the question for both of y'all. So do they have more talent? Right now, yes, because Steph and Clay are both injured. So they both come back. Do they have more talent? Yes. But do they have more talent after the lottery pick? Well, it depends on who the lottery pick is. I better hope it's not James Wiseman. So you have James Wiseman or any of the lottery picks. There's a lot of good guys coming out. It really doesn't matter. I'm not really scared of that. It, you have you have a basically a big three with a guy, and especially if they get Robert Covington, just, just for his defensive ability alone, not let alone his spot-up three. You're going to take a guy like Wiseman who's going to be able to push push the bat, push the ball down the court and kick it out. I mean, maybe. Or he could shoot. be Markel Fultz in the first year. Like, we don't know with maybe. draft picks. That's maybe. what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Maybe. I'm just saying. So I'm not going to say the Warriors are going to come back but and that's, be prime numero but that answers like, I don't your, think it's going to happen. That answers your question, though. Your question was, are they going to be more talented? Well, we'll see next year. We don't know right now because we don't know who they're going to get True. and how they're, good they're going to be. Well, I know. I think it's funny because injuries always – Injuries always make us forget about who's really good and what they really can do. Because I think Curry has been playing, so well, I think I think that that argument doesn't matter anyways because the West is still stacked. You know, but it's, it's wide open still. It's wide open, but the East next year is going to be between two teams, and either one of those, in my opinion, will probably win next year. They're not there this year. You think the chip comes out of the East next year? I think the East wow. the East wins it next year. That's a bold prediction. I think you write it, that down. Yeah, you write yeah write we're going to we're going to tell that up. Yeah. Because I think I think it's either going down. it's either going to Milwaukee or it's going to the Nets. I say the Lakers win back to back, but we'll see. I mean, again, we'll I've said Kings this, I said it, I've said it three times, and this is the third episode in a row. I'll say it. <laughs> I've been wrong before. And I ain't scared to be wrong again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna get T-shirts made that say that. Yeah, until the Clippers get a big man, I'm not really scared of the Clippers personally. But they are talented. But I'm not until they get an actual center. I'm not worried at all. All right, y'all know what time it is. Something, nothing, or everything. So, the Pro Bowl is Sunday. Uh, there is a, a very interesting cornerback who made the list that uh, I'm sure we've got some opinions about. Tony, how you feel about Xavier Rhodes suiting up? Man, I think I think it's something because this is the reason why the Pro Bowl is the worst All Star game in major sports. Uh, you have this guy who is. Among corners who took over 120 snaps is the third worst corner in the league this year. I'm not saying overall he's a bad corner. I think he just had a really bad year. But there are guys that didn't go to the Pro Bowl this year that definitely should have instead of him. I think he won a popularity contest. And Give me a I name think- real quick off the top if you got one. No. Okay. That sucks. <laughs> Whoa, my bad. <laughs> I thought you were ready to go with that. My bad. I was, I was not ready <laughs> My, there's let me put it this way there was 300 corners that took over 120 snaps this year and he's the third worst so i can give you 297 names all right bet i'm cool with that <laughs> that's my point so i don't i can't think of one off the top of my head but it doesn't matter half Woo! the league deserves those optics to go. are not good so my only thing is that i think i think that i like how the nba does it how there's a little bit of uh there's a lot of fan vote but there's also some uh you know insider vote if you will um, so that way it balances out. So that way there's not a bunch of, you know, guys going because they're popular or guys going because, you know, it'd be funny to see this guy in the all-star game. 
we'll cover that later too because that's a deeper topic with the NBA. Absolutely, like, absolutely. Yeah. That's 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 a whole segment. But yeah. that's that's my feeling. Tiago, what do you think? Honestly, man, it's nothing. Because there's always like there's always Pro Bowl snubs. Always, regardless of the position. Tyron Matthew, big snub. You know what I'm saying? Like it's he wouldn't just, play anyways, so it wouldn't even matter. Plays, yeah, well, exactly. But it, the thing is, is that even if the best people were selected for the Pro Bowl, no one would watch it anyway. Um, but honestly, I actually got to read this tweet to you guys. I thought it was awesome. Um, it, it says, uh, actually, and this is from the dude at Democratic Dude. Wherever you are, if you're listening to this podcast, this tweet was awesome. He said, actually, Xavier Rhodes in a Pro Bowl makes perfect sense. There is zero defense played in the game, so he can just continue to do what he's been doing all year. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. Jeez. that's amazing. We're, we'll at you on our Twitter. <laughs> Y'all are that's, brutal. <laughs> wherever you are, that was amazing. But yeah, it's nothing, man. I mean, no one's going to watch it anyway. Exactly. All right. So speaking about nobody watching it, uh, the NFL <laughs> is going gonna to try or attempt to uh, implement a new rule in the Pro Bowl this year with the replacement of the onside kick with the fourth and 15 rule which i think is pretty good let me know what is it something nothing everything now this is something because this and again it's something for a game i won't watch but it, (laughs) it is something because if this actually works i mean this could change a lot of nfl games um if it's actually implemented i mean we're talking playoffs huge implications i think it's it's everything and not just because of the rule itself but because of what they're doing with the pro bowl so what they're doing is they're playing, they're putting a rule in that they're going to take the rules committee later, and now they actually have some on the field feedback. Hopefully, they actually do this in the Pro Bowl, so that way they actually have on the field feedback. But what it does is it gives them an opportunity to see how it's going to affect the flow of the game, how if you're down late, what the mm-hmm. risk reward of it, the whole thing is. Uh, right. You know, it brings out a lot of analytics. You're welcome, Cliff. Yeah. <laughs> But, you know, fourth and 15 from your own 25 instead of an onside kick. And I have Patrick Mahomes as my quarterback or any of the top half quarterbacks in the league. I, you got to believe that your guy can get you 16 yards in one play. And then if you also practice that one play, just like you practice onside kicks every practice, it, that's, it's going to change the game. For sure. I got to agree with you on that one. I got to agree with you. All right. So yesterday... Yeah, Thursday on TNT, they announced the all-star starters. Uh, so Trey Young and Luka Doncic, make sure I pronounce that right, <laughs> are going to be all-star starters in the West and in the East. Uh, I think that's a super big nod. You guys tell me, what is it? Something, nothing, everything? I think it's everything, personally, for Trey Young. That's, it's, that's an amazing accomplishment for someone who, well, I mean, I followed him when he was, he was in high school and he was super doubted. I mean, he went to Oklahoma for a reason. Yeah. So to see where he's at now is, Amazing. It's, it's I'll, I'll agree with you there on that on that Trey Young nod. I mean, yeah, I'm I'm real happy to see him uh, named um, over um, Kyrie. Is that the that's a Brooklyn Nets guard, was, right? Kyrie Irving, the okay, guy, the guy out for the guy who missed oh, 27 yeah. games. Like, yeah, that, did you think he was going to yeah, start? That guy, that guy. It was interesting though. He's uh, also a professor, <laughs> but. Um, no, I, I always take every opportunity to <laughs> throw shade at the Nets. <laughs> throw shade oh, at man. the Nets. Um, but no, but no, in all seriousness, I, I think it's, I think it's everything for Trey Young. Um, I think it's everything for Luka Doncic too, to be a starter at this point in the game. I mean, at, at this point in his career, I think that's incredible. Yeah. I think it's something, uh, I, I'll say it's everything for those two guys. Absolutely. Your second year, you're in an all-star game, killing it. They're absolutely killing it right now. Both of them. It's ridiculous. 
but I will say it's something for the league to say that there's only two guys in the starting 10 in the All-Star game that are over 30 years old. And one of them is 30 years old, and that's James Harden. And the only one over 30 years old is LeBron James. Wow. Everybody else is under 30 years old. So it's at the point where, to me, it looks like the NBA is becoming a young man's game. So it's something for the league just to look at where the experience doesn't pay off like it used to. Uh, You don't have guys starting that are perennial all-star guys. Some of those guys fell to the bench this year. Mm. So it's it's definitely interesting to look at. Yeah. What's the bigger topic too with the one and dones and the four year yeah, players? The, the 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 turnaround for player players actually hitting their stride is a lot. Yeah. The, 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 the gap is all over the place now. Oh yeah. Yeah. So Oh yeah. But I love it. It's great for the league. For sure. For sure. Well, it's right. like it's like you said earlier today, where you said, Man, I can't believe Kyrie's only what he's twenty seven. He's twenty seven. Yeah, and you're like, I feel like I've been watching Kyrie Irving forever. Like, I remember watching his highlights in like eighth grade, bro. Like I just graduated <laughs> college, and he's not even twenty nine, thirty. Like it's it's sick. It's, yeah, yeah, it's something. It's I like it just because you get the longevity of yeah. You, you sure. got to gotta grow with a player. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's 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 the dope thing. I think that's what the league intended it to be that way too, which is why I think when they finally put the rule in now to let the high schoolers go in too, whether they'll be good or not is whatever. But at least you can like if you're really a fan of someone when they initially into the league when they're like 18 yeah when he's 28 like that's that's your boy yeah absolutely so, that's absolutely. dope all right so be sure to follow us on instagram at 3ot podcast uh you also use the hashtag 3ot come on the instagram page talk to us hop in the comments let us know your opinions we want to see what you guys think especially about the quarterback situation stay tuned for giveaways follow us soon we'll be doing a lot of things interacting with you guys and figure out new ways for you guys to come uh you know come chat with us